Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Are Weezer, Season 2, Episode 34, In the Garage. I'm Rachel, and I'm here today with Michael from the Mount Rushmore Podcast. Hi, Michael. How are you? Hi, Rachel. I'm uh, doing well. Thank you. It's very nice to have you on the show today. Before we get to Michael, I'll just kind of tell everybody what We Are Weezer is about. We're a podcast about Weezer. And my co-host, Juliet, and I, along with special guest hosts, we search around and find details on your favorite songs, one per episode, and we give you all the details, we review it, we rate it using our special rating system, and much, much more, depending on what's going on. There wasn't a lot of Weezer news this week that I saw, other than the continuing tour and... Do you follow Weezer on the on social media at all, Michael? No, I, I follow you guys. And I think that's, if I'm going to get all the Weezer news, it's going to come through you guys <laughs> rather than through uh, Rivers Cuomo's tweeting or lack thereof. We actually had one very exciting thing happen this week where somebody was Rivers for Halloween and mm-hmm. he changed his Facebook profile picture to be her as him on Halloween. Oh, that's so, so funny. It was like a very tremendous, exciting, like I got it really excited for her. (laughs) Um, But it's like when you, when Rivers like copies and pastes your tweet to him or whatever, it's like a big deal. Um, They call it getting Cuomo'd. And uh, so (laughs) she got Cuomo'd, but with her, her own profile picture. So that was exciting. That must be super. Yeah. I think, I think one time for, um, uh, a couple of years ago, I was dressed up as Pee Wee Herman for Halloween, and uh, my wife, Emily, sent a picture to him, and I think he liked it. And that was, like, the end of the world. It was, like, really cool. Oh, my God. Pee Wee Herman loves me. What was she, <laughs> if you were Pee Wee? Emily was the... Oh, what's her name? 11? 12? 14? From Stranger Things? I think it's 11. 11. It's, a nu- re- it's definitely a number, a double digit. <laughs> she had a really short hair at the time, and she had uh, like the full getup and the egos, and it was a. So I don't think any of the kids from Stranger Things retweeted us though. So uh, you win some, you lose lame. some. As long as we got yeah. Pee-wee, though. Yeah, I mean that's all. I talking about kids. I, me and my kid watch Pee Wee's Playhouse, and it still holds up. It's a little odd to see like half naked men quite often, but. It kind of goes over your head when you're a kid and he really likes it. So it kind of, I liked Pee Wee when I was a kid. So I don't know why I rambled. Anyway, so let's get on to your interview. Why don't you tell us, I mean, you can tell us about your podcast. You can tell us how long you've been a Weezer fan or, you know, what made you get into Weezer, whichever one you want to do first. Sure. Well, the podcast that I'm on is called the Mount Rushmore Podcast and me and a friend, Richard, have always kind of bickered throughout the years about what would what's like the most representative of any given topic. And it can be anything from, oh, the Mount Rushmore of... When we actually recorded last night, Jesus. Just Mount Rushmore <laughs> cheese. And that kind of went off on some pretty wild tangents and just it gets pretty silly and reverent at times. But, uh, you know, we tried to cover pop culture and songs. Uh, surf songs was another really good one we did recently or in this last year. And we have a third member, Jeff, who's our, uh, 
our judge is basically Richard and I can't come to terms with uh, our disagreements. So we have a judge come in and, and he kind of sets us straight. So it's a, it's a pretty fun podcast. We've been going for a couple of years now and you know, you were just on the podcast too. So yes. that was super to have, although we didn't really talk Weezer much. No, but Weezer has um, definitely come up on the podcast before. I'm num- pretty sure that's how I found you guys. I was oh, researching really? podcasts and in my travels you must have had the word weezer in your title at some point and we had an episode called the mount rushmore of desert island albums so like if you're trapped on a desert island with only four albums and i think one of them was the blue album just because i my assumption was at some point i would just be drunk on coconut juice and wanting to karaoke and uh <laughs> any song from the blue album is like my favorite to karaoke whether it's like my name is jonas or uh say it ain't so um, oh, that yeah. was my rationale that was my rationale for that album well plus you're on an island so you you might have to have the green album too if you were there <laughs> i i must have yeah that's where it came from and then i started listening because i actually like the concept and then you guys have mentioned weezer more than once Oh yeah. Since then. So I knew that you, like somebody was a Weezer fan. And so I'm like, well, I guess I got to still listen to them because they're, they're my people. (laughs) Yeah, that, that's probably me. And I, you know, you asked earlier, like how I got into Weezer is, you know, I grew up in Los Angeles and um, right on the doorstep of 40. So Weezer, when the blue album came out in 1994 was like right in the middle of high school. Yeah. It was my jam. So driving to work in the morning uh, with my dad, it was if you're listening to Kevin and Bean, at some point you're either going to hear a Smashing Pumpkin song or you're going to hear like uh, Weezer. Buddy Holly or Undone. And like, it was just guaranteed. Yeah, for sure. And I just, I just love the Blue Album in totality. It's my favorite of theirs. And I'm sure we can, we can talk about how great Pinkerton is and the Green Album and the rest. But like for the Blue Album, it's just like, it's perfect from one to 10. I agree. And that's really hard to do in my opinion. I think Weezer has done it at least three times. I don't know about everybody else, but for me, like Blue, Pinkerton, and the White Album, solid, like the whole the whole thing. There's not mm-hmm. a bad song on any of those albums. I'm probably blanking on other albums and don't want to say that that's my final answer, but I think it's really hard to do. A couple years after, like, Right when I got to college in 1996, Pinkerton came out, and I was listening to just two albums back-to-back over and over, and it was Pinkerton and Marilyn Manson's Antichrist Superstar <laughs> for some reason. I was not like a Marilyn you Manson a fan. No, not at all. But like for whatever reason, it was just like I had Pinkerton on cassette, and I had like, I think I had Antichrist Superstar on cassette. That Is that the one with like me- beautiful people on it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a it's a really good album. It's a it's an incredible like rock album. But like for whatever reason those two are just they're in my head intrinsically linked that like when I think of <laughs> when I think of uh, Pink Triangle or whatever it's also like oh yeah, also uh, Antichrist Superstar. Very <laughs> strange. Very very Same strange. Thing. Yeah. Uh, different paths, different er- places in life right now uh Marilyn Manson, but I think we I mean, you know, in a good kind place. Of, 90s uh, rock gods in their own way. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> that, are st- that are still going strong 20-something years later. So Yeah, I don't know how good of a shape he's in anymore because I see like news articles and it's not so much, but he's still touring and stuff, that's for sure. Yeah. And all those 90s people are still around. We lost like a lot of them, but you know, it's it's a 
it's a thing. It's kind of sad getting older and like looking back and being like, oh, <laughs> like, you know, the cranberry singer passed. And then, um, yeah, that was, that was kind of devastating. Like every, she was just, young too. Yeah. And like Chris Cornell and obviously at the time it was Kurt Cobain, which I mm-hmm. like, I remember. So it was just, I don't know. It was a time. So what would you say your favorite Weezer song is then? Um, it's probably the one we're talking about today is uh, uh, In the Garage. Okay. Um, if it's not that, it's my name is Jonas, just because I adore like incredible opening tracks to albums. Like one of my favorite things about like a really great album is when the first song just kind of gets you into that world. Like I love The Cure as well, and like every song that opens a Cure album is just like perfect. It like gets it's it sets up the the tone of the rest of the album, and I think My Name Is Jonas does that perfectly, but. But In the Garage just has like a real special place for me. And I think it's the tone of the song. Mm-hmm. It's a bit nostalgic, but it also like speaks to uh, just like this idea of like suburbia and the kid who picks up a guitar and wants to be a rock and roller. And he's admiring his posters on the wall of his favorite rock bands, but also like the geeky things that he gets into. And we'll talk about that. But I just, I love this song. It's just, I mean, maybe it, you know, brings up memories of me looking up at the X-Men posters and Spider-Man posters and whatever. And it's just like, I can relate to this guy mm-hmm. right when I was in the thick of collecting comic books in the early and mid nineties. So now are you a big kiss fan or no, not at all, but I appreciate like the, the admiration of like your favorite band wanting to yes. look up at those at posters and adorn your walls and, you know, kind of tell everyone, you know, as soon as they walk in your room, this is what you're into. So. Yeah. Well, for me, I had Weezer on my wall. I had the Blue Album poster <laughs> on my wall and uh, some Beatles and a lot of, you know, some Britpop people. What posters mm-hmm. did you have on your wall? You said Spider-Man? Oh, I I was like well, well into like my comic book addiction at the time. So it was like I had like Jim Lee X-Men posters and I had Todd McFarlane Spider-Man posters and Spawn posters. And like I would cut things out of like comics magazines and put them on the wall and like it feels so geeky to do it but it was even geekier when i took all that stuff to college and (laughs) uh, felt instantly shunned and and like like oh yeah i guess this doesn't necessarily translate uh into like a co-living environment out of your own kind of your own cave in your own bedroom or in the songs case in your own garage yes for sure but yeah but i was super geek i was into the big three. I was into comic books and Star Wars and The Simpsons. I mean, I had I hit the trifecta and kind of I kind of lived it from T-shirts to posters. Yeah, I mean that's like growing up in the '80s. Like you had to like Star Wars; it was a thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But into the '90s too, like Star Wars became a God. We're going off on a geeky tangent. I guess that's what this song is about, though. Right? Being a little bit of a geek. Yeah. Um, by like the early '90s and mid '90s, Star Wars had kind of gone off into all these extended universe books. And I had all the books I bought oh, wow. all, the, all the additional, like the, the further adventures of Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and princess Leia. Like I had, I had those little novels and I read them. I didn't even and know that existed. Of, yeah. <laughs> there, there's a whole like extended universe of novels that have now been wiped out ever since Disney came in and charge. Uh, bought Star <laughs> yeah, and bought Star Wars and kind of like, no, we're going to do our own thing. So, but yeah, that was like, that was my life. I comic book store every Wednesday, 
watching The Simpsons either Thursday night at eight or Sunday night at eight, and then uh, yeah. Star Wars on repeat until the ta- until the VHS ran out. You know, I I told my son like don't have a don't have a cow man, and uh, my <laughs> husband and I like totally like laughed so hard together and trying to explain to him like the con- like why we even said that why it was funny who Bart Simpson. It was just like a whole thing, and it didn't. It, nobody else got it, so it, that was also a thing. I don't, I don't watch The Simpsons anymore, but it's still yeah a part of you know pop culture. Yes, life. Yeah, it's never going anywhere. So, did you play D anD D or no? The closest. It's funny that was just one of the parts of the subculture that like never became a part of my life. The closest I got was my like super cool older cousin was like this mm-hmm. punk rock guy with like orange hair and pencils super glued into his hair. But Ooh. he also like was into Dungeons and Dragons and had like a Dungeons and Dragons Dragon Master Guide and like the Guide to Monsters. And it was just like, oh, this super cool guy is also this mega geek as well. It's very <laughs> strange, that dichotomy. Well, I mean, I guess that's everybody in the 90s, like cool and, and nerdy yeah, at the cool same time, <laughs> which is weird to think about. Yeah, I I didn't I didn't play that, but I did have a twelve sided die just because I had to have one because Weezer had one, mm-hmm. and I was a nerd <laughs> in that way. So, were they your favorite rock group when you were a kid, or was it? No, it was probably. I guess as a kid, as a teenager, it was probably Pearl Jam. Again, okay. that's just, that's like right in the. I fell into the Pearl Jam side of who is the better of the two bands between Pearl Jam and Nirvana, and yeah, I guess I guess Pearl Jam up until a certain point. And then I think that there's kind of like a graduation. You kind of shed your, or I, maybe it was just, I stopped listening to K-Rock. And yeah. I, like, I'm, I'm you went through moved, a, di- a different of, phase in life. Yeah. I kind of, I was a big fan of Weezer up until maybe the Green album. What was the one after that? Uh, Maladroit? After Green. Yeah. I'm horrible at trying to remember that, but yes. I was like, I loved all three, the first three albums. And then Maladroit kind of. Uh, I just wasn't into as much. And by that time I like, I was up in Seattle and listening to like death cab for cutie and the Decemberist and other indie rock stuff up there. And like, there's part of you that kind of, sometimes you, you forget how good it is until you get back to it. And I, Mm -hmm. I know the white album was really good. We saw them on tour for the white album up in Santa Barbara. And that was just an incredible, really fun tour. I'd never seen it before. So that was really the kind of, chomp through all the hits. Wow. Okay. Were you um, up front or did you have a good spot? uh, We had decent seats. We're kind of just halfway up the Santa Barbara bowl, but it was, it was just such a delightful show. The perfect venue for that too. Like outdoors, nice weather. I'm sure it was during summertime because when I saw them, it was in San Diego, I think. And it was, no, it was in Irvine and it was Uh summer. So they were probably coming down. We saw them in August, and uh, it was just per- perfect weather. And River Squimo struts out at some point with a, a cape and a crown on, and I think he's playing King of the World. And you're just like, oh, this is uh, awesome. This is one of my favorite shows, yeah. And I went to this last tour where they were doing. It wasn't even Pacific Daydream; it was just like the hits. It was a really mm-hmm. good, a really good show. D- different, just because they're they're doing all the hits instead of you know the White Album tour. I think they try to do more White Album. Mm-hmm. It was pretty awesome. Carl, their right-hand man, comes out and they have like scenes and he gets the the laundry out of the dryer. I don't know if you're familiar with the Say It Ain't So video, 
but during the video, he goes to the dryer and gets laundry out. So he comes and like, they have like little prop changes and stuff. Oh, that's funny. It was cool. Let's see here. Last of the fun questions. What was your garage? Was it your room? Was it your dorm room? Like, did you go to, did you have a cool garage? I don't know. Oh, no, no, no. We, uh, we lived in a two bedroom apartment and we had a overhang that the the car, um, stayed under, but we know, uh, yeah, my room. I mean, it was, it was every, I think that's why this song is so attractive and so endearing is that so much of what it felt like I could relate to at the time I could see on my own walls. You could look up at your bed and put down the super Nintendo controller and put down your comic books and see comic book posters and star Wars posters and nonsense toys and things as you know, a 15, 16 year old, you're still kind of like, that was just like my prime geekdom. And so when there was a song that mentioned uh, Kitty pride Nightcrawler, it was like, Oh, I'm literally looking at pictures of them on my wall as well. So, and you're like, uh, and he's rocking out and, and yeah, you're like, Oh, this sure. guy, I could be like this guy kind of really. Yeah, it's funny. I never, I never really had that sort of like rock and roll ambition to like pick up a guitar myself, but like I could totally recognize it and totally see how appealing that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think I did. I did too. I don't think I could ever really do it though. Cause I'm not, coordinated or musical but I did like have that like I want to do like I want to be a rock star but I don't think I'd really (laughs) want to be a rock star if I had to do it so it takes a a certain type of person I think to go and do what they do make music and be so creative and put on a show for people and play large venues and handle the business I mean it's a big it's a lot more than just what we kind of look at as like oh you know all you do is wake up and go perform and then yeah. go home and, you know, rock out and do drugs and do whatever you want. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, is there, is there anything else you want to share with the kids before we move on to song discussion? No, let's get into the song. All right. We'll be back guys. It is time to discuss in the garage and I'm just going to do the stats really quick and then we'll get going. So in the garage is from the blue album. It's track number eight. It was released May 10th, 1994. It was recorded August, September ish, 1993 at electric lady studios, New York. If you just listen to the mini about it, you can hear more. It is three minutes and 55 seconds long. It's, the label's DGC. It's officially released 
live debut August 1st, 1993, and Rivers Cuomo song chronology number 168. It appears on the Blue Album, as everyone knows, and the deluxe version of the Blue Album. So who's our personnel on, on this, Michael? Rivers Cuomo was the uh, writer. Uh, Rick Ocasek produced it. Rivers was also lead vocals and lead guitar. Brian Bell was rhythm guitar, backing vocals and keyboard. Matt Sharp did the bass guitar and backing vocals. Patrick Wilson on percussion. And also, Brian Bell is probably the harmonica player on this song, by the way. I think he usually plays it on stage. So, Mm. fun fact. A little bit from Weezerpedia. According to Weezerpedia, In the Garage was written out of a sudden burst of excitement and creativity shortly after Weezer was signed to Geffen Records. And it's one of the songs that actually classified Weezer as nerds or they said geeks on Weezerpedia (laughs) because of the lyrics. And I guess that the inspiration for the song was actually a garage at the Amherst house where everybody lived at the time. So... Yeah, I guess the garage itself was in the Say It Ain't So music video. Mm -hmm. And that kind of displayed where they wrote and rehearsed and recorded the early songs. That garage was covered in like this brown carpet, soundproofed, along with their gear. You could see like a washing machine in the background. And Mm -hmm. on the walls were like exactly what uh, Rivers Cuomo was singing about with posters of the band Kiss, Ace Frehley, Peter Criss, Eddie Van Halen, and also posters of like various X-Men, which is one of those (laughs) things that uh, like researching this before I came on myself, I was kind of like, I assumed that this song was written as like, I don't know, an ode to his childhood, but to find out that it was like pretty, a pretty literal translation of what they're looking at at the time. I don't know if I was disappointed, but it was like, Oh, that removes so much of the mystique. Pardon the X-Men pun. (laughs) It removed like the mystique of like this song is being something that was kind of reminiscent of a a childhood growing up. And it was uh, made very literal. And I don't, I don't know. It was very interesting because that was something that I would never have had never have thought of. That was just uh, you know them singing about what they're saying. Or them it's saying probably what they're a seeing. combo of both, right? Like there's probably a, a he's probably always had kiss posters on the wall. That's and true. Though. Yeah, they just continued moving like yours in college to wherever they went to next. Uh, that's a very good point. So it's not tra- all lost. It's, it's tra- traveling geekdom. Yeah. Yes. The the song has that like famous harmonica, which is on, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank. It's for sure not on Say It Ain't So, but there's some harmonica on Holiday, I want to say, and other songs for on the Blue Album. So it kind of, to hear the harmonica, which really doesn't move forward in other Weezer albums, to my knowledge, it's kind of encompasses that early Weezer sound, along with mm-hmm. super duper crunchy guitars, mm-hmm. I would say. <laughs> And it's also one of the songs, there was a reprise version that I guess didn't didn't make it to the album. And other than that, that's all Weezerpedia really had to say about it. That was noteworthy. We did find a, a cool Rolling Stone poll, reader's poll. Yeah, this one by um, Brittany Spanos from September of 2016. It was uh, a reader's poll of the 10 best Weezer deep cuts. And this was done for the 20th anniversary of Pinkerton. And they kind of went around to find out what everyone's favorite deep cuts was. And this one came in at number two. Pretty good. 
that only lost to Only in Dreams, also from the Blue Album, which is another fantastic song. I mean, we could, you know, I'm sure that this podcast has covered the Blue Album almost from... Almost. A lot lately, actually. I think it's just because everyone loves it so much, you know? I was thrilled that I got a chance to talk about a song from the Blue Album. So Britney Spanos described the song as innocent and nostalgic. And, you know, she kind of referred back to all the different things that we talked about, all the the references on the wall, the Amherst house. And he counts his comics and love for Kiss as part of what makes the garage such a warm and positive place for him. So it's very sweet. (laughs) That's cool that it made it to number two. I don't know if I would have put it at number two, but I guess if you're going to look at Weezer's all-encompassing... Oeuvre. Yeah, that it would have to be because Mm -hmm. everybody knows in the garage which is probably why they play it live all the time. So Uh, it's quite amazing how many like singles came out of just the first out of the blue album. You know, if you 40 or 50% of the songs ended up being singles, which is just, that's like Michael Jackson thriller territory. uh, Yeah. I don't think in the garage was a single though, was it? Mm -mm. So it's interesting that they didn't, yeah. yeah, that they didn't pick it, pick that for a single, but other ones, I get it though. I did find a cool, we were talking about this kind of before the show, a cool online article by Matt Brundage titled Intriguing Weezer slash Beach Boys Similarities from February 19th, 2018. And I guess that Mark Jensen told him about the similarities between the Beach Boys song In My Room and Weezer's In the Garage, how they kind of carry the theme of feeling safe and comfortable uh, that Brian Wilson was probably referencing his music room where he also slept and stuff that was ironically located in a garage as well. And that Rivers and the Beach Boys, they intertwine, overlap a lot in in Weezer history. Weezer's very much known that it's the Beach Boys is one of their influences, especially for Mm -hmm. the Blue Album, you know, like songs like My Name is Jonas and and this song, I guess. But I don't I don't know that it's maybe lyrically and fundamental, like kind of, but not literally for sure similar because In My Room is like very I don't know if you can like off the top of your head uh, think of it. Oh, sure. It's it's very dreamy. Yeah, it's one of their more. One of the Beach Boys more kind of laid back songs where soft. they're just kind of, yeah. Like there's no rock, rocking guitar solos <laughs> and a lot of Beach Boys stuff. So it's kind of weird that it's one of their influences. You kind of have to de- deep dive to figure that one out. They've been doing it a lot more literally late, lately, but I would say that this is one that I hadn't thought of before. So what do you think of that? I don't know. He's um, he's a pretty interesting lyricist rivers cuomo is do did you listen i mean i'm sure you've heard that song exploder podcast that he's on that he talks about his like very very strange like a spreadsheet yeah how he how he keeps spreadsheets and how he keeps chords titled differently uh compared to like it was with syllables and he is like the most fascinating songwriter and approach and this is probably in like more of his nascent days when he was just writing songs as they came to him. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it had quite the strange structure that he's pr- built himself to write, you know, a single now or any of his songs now. Right. But I'm sure that there's just a lot more of like 
indirect influence from like a Beach Boys thing that just you kind of settle into it and rather than dissect it, so to speak. Yes, exactly. And I, I, it's like you can kind of do this, like how Matt was Matt Brundage was doing, where you can you can see that, but you don't necessarily hear it or notice it until somebody says like, "Hey, like this, this is kind of mm-hmm. like that," you know. So it, I wonder if it's kind of like he does it even without realizing that he's doing it type of thing back then. Um, but I think I think you're right. He did kind of write literally or from the heart or like wherever he was at the time. That's say it ain't so drawn from his own life. Right. And, you know, obviously this one. Yeah. So anyways. So last last fun fact is that there's a Weezer tribute band called In the Garage. If you want to check them out, they're on Facebook. From their Facebook, it says, formed by five nerds who love Star Wars, and so you, you'd probably like them, Michael, and love old Weezer, Blue Album, and Pinkerton songs covered exactly how you hear them on the records, just like back in 1994. The last time that they played was in 2011, uh, <laughs> so, you know, you can check out their videos. They're, they're just learning the Green Album right now. They're yeah. learning the Green Album, and they're learning Maladroit, and it takes a few years to learn how to play them perfectly. The, those beloved albums that everyone, <laughs> you know, likes to think about, which actually, if you, I don't know how often you like go back and listen to random Weezer albums, but Maladroit's not bad. And neither is like Hurley or the Red Album. There's, it's funny. There's some that just, I only know them through like the singles that came out at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I think I had Maladroit and I think that had Burnt Jam, which I was really close to, wanting to talk about as well. Cause I just, I just love that song. I love the jangly guitars on that. And I just love how sweet and soft his voice is in that song and kind of his voice feels very heartbroken, but the guitars just have like these big power chords in it that are just like in the solo that rips in. And so I, that one was, I was really on the edge of choosing that song. So I do like, I do like, I can't even say some of their later stuff. It's some of like their mid early stuff now that they put out how many albums? 12. 13 now? Oh gosh, I don't know. Probably. Maybe it's not quite that high. But I think it's at least 13. Yeah. But there's just a period where like, I think that they just kind of naturally fell off for me the way that some other bands, the same thing with like, you know, I mentioned earlier that Pearl Jam was one of my favorite bands when I was a teenager and into college. And then I like missed out a huge chunk of like the, the middle portion of their career and have no like reference point for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually slowly started picking them up again. And um, the same thing with Weezer, like with the white yeah. just wonderful. Just got, got right back to it. That's kind of how I got into this podcast is the, the white album came out and I heard it and I was like, what? This is really good. I forgot how much I loved Weezer mm-hmm. and it just made me love them again. And I had always followed them and I bought all the other albums, but nothing really like called my name like that album did and it was just so I don't know I just I couldn't understand why I had like fell out with them Mm -hmm. for so long so I was really happy to I gave it a listen because I probably would have been like okay another you know new Weezer album whatever I'll listen to it later but I think that happens with just you know life like you go through phases and like I used to love the Killers. But I don't know what happened to them, but they came out with like one CD that I just wasn't into and never looked back. You know, isn't it funny how that that happens? How like you're constantly looking for something that is similar to what 
you heard, but can't be too similar because the band can't get stale. Right. Very few bands can kind of keep up the album after album after album tone of like whatever their original tone was, but kind of moving it forward. I think Interpol is a band that's kind of like that, that ever since their first album hit, like the second one was almost like a direct follow-up and there's enough threads of what sounds like an Interpol thing throughout all of their all of their music, no matter how, how long their kind of music progresses. And I think it's just, it's, it's a nearly impossible thing to do. Yeah. It's to, just to keep up the, the nostalgia of what your fans got into in the first place. Plus adding something else. It's like, it's a like going different. to, a, yeah. yeah, it's like going to, you know, like going to a, like a Weezer concert, you want to go and you want to hear some of the older stuff and you'd be, I'd say this with any band, you'd be disappointed if you went and heard like a band played only their new album. You'd be like, Ah, I know that this is like the new stuff that you think is as good as your old stuff, but but we want to hear some of the the old stuff yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, there's there's definitely the stuff that you know that gets you in the door, and you just have to make sure that uh, your new music is kind of right up there. Tough tough thing to do for sure. Glad that Weezer is still doing it. I know. I'm very impressed that they're able to still do it. Uh, like off the top of my head, like Foo Fighters and. Green Day, they still are able to kind of stick with it too. I think, and mm-hmm. depending on your fans, like Pixies fans are super duper into the Pixies still, and they, I think, put out new stuff. I don't know. Probably Marilyn Manson too. I don't know. I'm sure he plays giant shows, although I don't, I don't know what he I, plays anymore. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I haven't followed him since college, really. I think Pearl Jam still tours too, right? Yeah, they're on like my list of bands that I've never seen that I should have seen that I've got to see before something bad happens. Yeah. It's it's, knock wood. It's like one of those, I know that they just put on tremendous, almost three hour concerts and like all five of the guys just bring it every night and no matter what, and they're really good to their fans and they just have an entirely new set list every night. They don't repeat stuff. And just like, Yeah. And it's, but for whatever reason, I've just never seen them, which well, I guess, goes, be on your I guess that goes to show my own fandom my, or lack thereof or whatever. If I really wanted to see them, I guess I could have seen them. Yeah. Well, I mean, life happens and, yeah. you know, it is what it is, but I definitely would like put it on your list of things to do. Like, I, I don't know. I talk about it a lot, but I always wish I would have seen the Beastie Boys and Amy Winehouse is somebody I really wanted to see. But mm-hmm. like right when I was going to buy tickets, she just, she passed. Like I was like, she was touring and I was looking it up and. That's wild. Yeah. So it just happens and you never know. And so it's scary. So, and like, look at No Doubt, they broke up. Like you'll, we'll never see them again. So I was glad I got to see them before they stopped. Yeah. Concerts is like something that, to me, I always like will save up and make the time and effort to go because mm-hmm. you'll never regret not going to see that show. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're yeah. Emily and I are big concert goers. We I have like a running Google Doc of all the stuff that we've seen and separated out by year and which songs they played and where we oh, sat. Wow. <laughs> I, uh, we have a, like a, a ticket book that has all the different ticket stems from shows we've seen. And, That's awesome. Um, I only seen No Doubt once, and it was a, a 1995 or 1996 K-Rock Acoustic Christmas. Awesome. And, um, their geek roots are pretty deep, too, because they came out playing like the opening 
base course to like the Imperial March from Star Wars. And it was just like, oh my God, all, my worlds are, my geeky <laughs> worlds are colliding. Yeah, they're, they're awesome. It was just so, I was so thrilled. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. I think I've, I've seen them multiple times, but I can't imagine seeing them back then, how cool that would, would be. I don't, I want to say that I saw them with Weezer, but I, I can't say for a fact. It's too, too far away. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess let's get to our final thoughts. It comes right after Say It Ain't So, which I thought was a great decision listening to the album today. And it's followed by Holiday, which I think is an al- also another good decision. And I like how it starts off with the sweet harmonica. And then it just starts jamming into the super crunchy guitars that we love about Weezer. The drums are pretty jamming. And there's a lot of uh, mat and bass and sweet guitar solo by Rivers at the end there. I love what it's about. I love like what it stands for. To me, it kind of says like it's okay to be a nerd and it's okay. Like I can still rock out and about the place that, that he feels okay to do those things in, which is, you know, the garage. And I think everyone has one. My favorite part of the song probably has to be at the end where like if you're at a a concert and they do the song, it's like where your heart really goes out to it. Where Mm -hmm. it's like, no one hears me. That's my favorite part. And that, that is it. What about you, Michael? Um, I just love, I love like the cocoonish nature of it. I like that he generates like an imagery of something that is so personal to him but you can all kind of see yourself. It doesn't matter if it's kiss posters on the wall, uh, whoever your favorite band is. It could be like we mentioned earlier, it could be Van Halen. It could be the cure. It could be uh, no doubt, you know, having a big Gwen Stefani picture Mm -hmm. on your wall when, especially when you're a teenager and just staring up at them, there's something that is so you kind of build these little relationships with their own music and mm-hmm. with their own kind of rock gods and to a lesser extent to comic book characters or whatever geeky stuff you're into you have like it is representative of you like the things that you choose to plaster your room with the things that you choose to identify with sometimes you do it in seclusion in your own room where you only kind of reveal it to people that you can enter your room and sometimes you're 16 year olds in high school and the only shirt you're wearing are like they have Yoda on them and like (laughs) you're, you're projecting it out. And I think it just depends. Some people are, maybe it's a more introverted way of revealing yourself to only kind of have it as a, as something that you have to be kind of invited in, into your home, kind of like a a vampire or something. Yeah. Versus something that you're just like projecting out. Like, you know, I mentioned my funny, I didn't think about this till right now, you know, I'm thinking of my, my cousin who on his outward appearance dressed like a punk rock. He had, you know, bright hair and kicker boots and all that. And like you go in his room. Yeah. You go in his room and he had literally dungeon master's guide and would play (laughs) D and D and had a like full Muppets puppet show set up as well. (laughs) It's just like the, the outward, the outward appearance versus who you are in your own world is sometimes can be very different. And, um, I think this, this song really captures at least one aspect of it. Yeah. Well, and not to mention, like, I think that for many of us that the Blue Album is our garage. Like, it's it will take you back to that time when you felt 
safe in your room and you were that's what you were listening to. I mean, mm-hmm. I know I was listening, like, you know, I had my disc man wherever, you know, playing the Blue Album in my room, doing homework and just relating to it probably in a different way than I do now because now it's probably in a more nostalgic way. But back mm-hmm. then it was like that was what I was rocking out to. Like they were my my kiss. And like so Weezer's kind of like part of my garage from it, from being a kid or whatever. So now it has like this new meaning. Yeah. All rolled into it. I think my favorite lyric from it is um, the part where he's, he's singing, I've got an electric guitar. I play my stupid songs. I write these stupid words. And I love everyone waiting there for me. Yes, I do. And I like that there's still something so intimate about that, that he's, he's playing for an audience of one still at that point is he's, he's playing to himself and imagining himself as like this big rock star, maybe in front of all these other rock star posters or whoever else. Do you, who do you think is like saying, calling him his stupid songs, like his parents or his, his like mean buddies or like buddies giving him a hard time? No, I think it's, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's like just a personal criticism. He's like, oh, I don't know. I write stupid, stupid songs. He's stupid. I don't know. They're, they just don't mean anything. They're just dumb. Whatever. Just my heart out on a yeah. <laughs> tablet for you to break <laughs> uh, my, my hopes and dreams on paper, whatever. Yeah, I, I get that. Any other thoughts on in the garage? No, I mean, I just think it's, it's my favorite song from my favorite album of theirs. I don't know if I've ever... I mentioned earlier that like the song came up on one of Mount Rushmore's episodes, but I don't know if I've ever like karaoke this song. It's not one that you'd find built into a lot of karaoke machines. You'll you'd find not. Buddy Holly, you'd probably find Undone. Say it ain't so. But this is a song this is a song that I'd love to karaoke. If ever given like, you know, infinite songs and infinite tracks without vocals, I'd love to get up and drunkenly sing the song. Well, that would be fun. We should we'll have like a Weezer get together and karaoke the Blue Album. <laughs> Everyone, it'll be great. Or if you go to get, make sure you get it on video. If you go, where do you go karaoke? I don't. I don't even like have a karaoke it's, place out here. God, it's been forever. I, we used to go to this place up in kind of Woodland Hills on Ventura called Corbin Bowl. Yeah, it's a bowling alley. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it ha- and they, they used have to karaoke? have a place in. Yeah, they have a place inside called the Lion's Den. And uh, uh, when, we, when we were in our going out and karaoke days, there was nothing better than going to like bowling alley, karaoke. side lounge, karaoke, because just all the, it was just all the characters are out. Yeah. And there was the, there was the guy running it that he kind of looked like a lion himself. He had this big mane of white hair and white beard. And he took things very seriously. And uh, it was just, and, that was a spot. I like. I like the. I like the big public karaoke's versus talk about public versus private versus like going to like Koreatown and mm-hmm. renting out like a for your a friends. Booth. Yeah, I've yeah, never done that part. It's fine, it, but there's something I, I like the embarrassment of going out and singing a song that you can't sing very well. But then also, I'm also very proud of my wife Emily, who has got a great singing voice, and she always nails. Like nails she it. always kills kills when she goes up, and like I'm just. I sit back and I'm just kind of beaming. <laughs> I, yeah, I wish I, I always wish I could do that, but I'm too afraid and I'd screw it up and can't sing really. You just have to find one song that you know, note for note. I mean, I'm sure that, that you, there's, there is a Weezer song that you know 
yes. line for line that you don't have to read off the prompter. I can't you can even just have think of like, two or three gin and tonics and then <laughs> go up there. Loose. I feel like I've done, I've totally karaoke'd four-ish times in my life. And I, I know Weezer must have been one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, let's rate this sucker. Um, so I will, I'll go first. I give in the garage, a laser eyes rivers, a Weezer prom picture, a Scott and a vest, pet jamming on the drums and a blazer. Brian for a total of 11. Uh, my ranking is a laser eye rivers, a lightning strap, uh, Scott and a vest and a blazer. Brian that totals 10, I believe. Yes. So we are Weezer gives in the garage a ten and a half. Woohoo! What is the highest that a song has ever gotten on here? I feel like we had a twelve or a thirteen. Yeah, it's not bad. That's not bad. Right up there. Yeah, and sometimes, and I feel like it was saying so. It was definitely a classic song, but sometimes you get um, as you get into it and start deep diving, you kind of get this love for something that you didn't think you had if you scored high or you realize like mm-hmm. maybe that's not such a good song maybe you know I think the lowest we've ever given somebody was a, a six so I think 10's pretty good alright well we will be right back with uh, Michael to say goodbye guys I got electric guitar I play my stupid song Stupid words, and I love everyone waiting there for me. Yes, I do. Well, thank you so much, Michael, for coming on the show with me today. I thought it was fun. Oh, I, you're welcome. This was my pleasure. I'm, I hope, like, maybe you can come back again sometime. We'll do another song. Maybe we'll do My Name is Jonas. Yeah, for sure. That would be awesome. That um, song or Burnt Jam or, gosh, I mean, you know, their discography is so deep. I know. You'd have to, like, you. I literally have to pull it up to see, like, okay, let's not do another <laughs> blue album song because they have so many that and you don't even think about it until you're looking at it either but coming up on episode 35 love is the answer with jen and patrick from another weezer podcast called my name is weezer i like to think of them as the founding weezer podcast um thank you brian for the sound you're awesome thank you for listening everybody Check us out on social media. Follow us on We Are Weezer on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can email us at weareweezerforever at gmail.com. Check us out on our website, 
www.wearewezer.com. And where can everybody, after that plane passes, where can everybody find you and Mount Rushmore on your social media? Well, if you're interested in listening to a couple of guys debate the Mount Rushmore things from uh, Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Holmes adaptions to Summer's a Kid. To, I loved uh, Summer as a Kid, by the way. That oh, was one of my favorites. To, to uh, weekly world news articles, to the one that Rachel was just on, Annoying Things That Kids Do. Um, we're on Mount Rushmore Pod on Twitter and Instagram, facebook.com slash Mount Rushmore Podcast, or mtrushmorepodcast.com. All of our Twitter is mtrushmorepod. It was a shame because we should have, we should have like gotten all the other different Mount Rushmore names before and then just to all funnel them all into one source. There you go. And kind of pushed those other Mount Rushmores out of the way. That's right. <laughs> there are other Mount Rushmores, but if you guys check them out, which we'll put all of the links in the show notes and on the website, but it's the three dudes. And I think you're wearing like red, white, and blue. I don't know if yeah. it's on purpose or not, but... We like are an, nascently patriotic. I like it. <laughs> it's kind of an ode to... Uh, you know what it's called too you'll i think you'll recognize it right away it is the best mount rushmore podcast in my opinion and check them out you guys i think that you'll like it especially if you like it's kind of i mean it's very different than us but you kind of are rating things and you have at least you have a a referee though a judge (laughs) not a referee judge it's not sports rachel that's so, one thing we try not to cover as much as possible. We try sports? to veer away from sports onto the absurd. Unless it's dodgeball. Oh yeah, we're, we're all over dodgeball, all <laughs> over kickball, all over, all over like uh, just ridiculous things. <laughs> uh, so yeah, check them out, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, everybody. All right, bye, guys. Adios. We are Weezer, and I love you.